how fragile are we as a being? And I want to take you through the roller coaster of a week that I witnessed here in Houston during Hurricane Harvey. <laughs> the story of the hurricane the man the authorities came to blame for something that he never done Let me preface that for the week leading up to this storm, I was preparing with food and water and survival gear. I've been in Houston for a couple of years and I've seen this city flood with mild rain and I wasn't taking this lightly. I have a home in Corpus that I'm renting out too. So man, on the first days of those storms, like the 25th and the 26th, you know, I mean even the night of the 24th, man, I was worrying about my house in Corpus. Uh, that's all I was thinking about. Um, and then on the 26th, 27th, and 28th, not that it wasn't already raining in Houston, but the skies unleashed about like 50 inches of rain over those courses of those days. And it was like five days of torrential rain, nonstop. And clearly, unless you were living under a rock, um, this crippled the city. So, uh, day one on that Friday, August 24th, um, I closed my offices down, you know, we went to work and tried to get as much work out as possible. It wasn't a lot, uh, but we were able to get a little bit out, and then we closed the offices about noon, and uh, we all set out to uh, pick up some last-minute storm preparations, uh, supplies, and water. Uh, who knew what was coming? We knew a hurricane was going to hit ground. We knew it was going to be high winds, possible tornadoes. Definitely they were saying flooding without a doubt. So we got coolers, flashlights, batteries, ice, first aid kits, life jackets, bread, water, alcohol. You name it, man. We were just stocking up. We didn't know if we were going to be in the house for a week, even longer. Um, I opened my door up. Uh, well, Friday night I got a call from... Um, my sister-in-law, brother-in-law. No, they came in on, on Friday. That was on Thursday they called. They were leaving Corpus. They were living down in Corpus. So they got to my house in Houston. And like right away, I was like, man, you just evacuated one disaster zone to the other. Like, hopefully there's a window for you guys to get back before we flood out. And they had no idea that they weren't paying attention to the news. But that's neither here nor there. So I talked with the neighbors, we got a plan for our food, for uh, storm prep, and uh, you know, we felt pretty good about it. We had a lot of supplies and we were ready. So uh, we cracked a couple beers in the evening time, I barbecued a little bit in the, in the rain, and uh, we started up our hurricane party. So day two, uh, we slept a little bit that night, but not much, because I was anticipating a little more than what we got, but um, we've been lucky. 
the storm uh, has been fighting through Corpus, Rockport, Victoria, and slowly approaching Houston. Slowly, like two miles an hour, slowly. And um, we knew disaster was nearing. You know, the, during the Mayweather McGregor fight, you know, it, as it started getting closer to that fight, it started raining harder and harder and harder. And then the fight started getting choppy on its signal. I wasn't going out to watch it, I was going to test the waters. And uh, sorry, DirecTV, man, you guys are shitty with that. It was just pouring on my satellite, and I got terrible signal. I had a better job watching it on Periscope. Uh, but the streets then began flooding. We all brace ourselves for the weather. Day three. With less sleep, the water recedes by the time we wake up. Corpus withstood the storm, and our evacuees bid us farewell and said they were going to test the roads. We checked out where it was flooding, and there was enough open highway around us as of Sunday morning where they can make an escape route back uh, towards San Antonio and then south from San Antonio down to Corpus, uh, which is the long way, but, you know, they, uh, they knew that Houston was going to be doomed uh, starting that day. it was all right and then I don't know what happened it was it's like I went inside for like 15 minutes and then my neighbor calls me and says hey you got to see this and I look outside and there's like four feet of water it was incredible how quickly um, how quickly the streets started flooding um, so my neighbor then, uh, it was about an hour after that, calls me again and says he's getting worried. He has a one-story home. He was getting pretty worried. And um, he's got two small children. And he wants to get him and his wife and his kids out of the house. They're asking if, you know, they can basically take refuge at our house for the evening on the second story. And I said, yes, absolutely. Um, come on in. And we did just that. Harvey, I just... Now, what can I do for you, Mr. Dowd? What did you have in mind? What's your order? Uh, uh, well, two martinis. Two martinis? Harvey, I, it seems that Vita is having a party this afternoon, and I... Uh, hmm? Oh, you knew? Well, I just thought that she might be offended if we weren't there. After all, she's the only sister I have, and I... I how's that? I'm the only one I'm ever likely to have, yes. Yeah, it was well past my thigh. Uh, 
walking across and we got a little tube and a raft and set that up and push some supplies across started um, we then started stacking some furniture I rolled up some carpets in my garage and uh, tried to build like a little barricade and then stack some furniture got some essentials up and uh, started preparing for the worst because at this point uh, we had some flood water coming into the garage and uh, I thought it was just a matter of time before you know it started swallowing us so we took some of these coolers and the ice bags that we had prepared started filling them up and getting them ready with food water um, and just anything that we we're gonna need to keep a little bit cold because you know just in case my refrigerators downstairs and if we can't get to it we're not getting to any of that food in there uh, so we we're bringing up some of the non-perishable items upstairs and uh, obviously the cooler is going to act as our cooler especially if we lost power and uh, thank god we didn't during any of this i don't know how we didn't but um you know it, it, it was great that we didn't um day four um that was that night man and you know we made it through the next day we woke up and man the water started receding again and it was just playing like the seesaw with us it was with our emotions with our you know it was a mixture of our fears and and bravery you know which which attribute was gonna come out the best strongest so even less sleep now like barely any sleep um there's no water in my home you know, like I said, a little bit just kissed the garage. Nothing major. But most of the city is now underwater. We take a deep breath of relief. I haven't left my home since Friday night at this point. Other than to get my neighbor from his house. But I haven't left there. I can't today either. Streets are still flooded. Behind my house, there's a church parking lot that now appears to look like a running river. Like, with strong current on it. Streets are now canals. And our neighborhood now looks like Venice, Italy. Day five. My father-in-law hasn't had dialysis since Thursday. That was the 24th of August, if you're keeping track. He begins getting weak feels itchy he says that he can't make it another day without his dialysis so I load him up in the car and I try to test the roads but every exit out of my neighborhood is blocked by flooded cars and massive amounts of water the only way we're getting out of here is on boat we return home after making a few phone calls to different 911 dialysis centers uh, emergency numbers that we have and they said no you gotta call 911 and get an ambulance to take you they got some high water vehicles that can get you to the hospital. First responders got to my home in under five minutes. I was uh, really happy that happened. Uh, I was impressed too. And uh, the ambulance was there within 10. Uh, they made a few phone calls on which hospitals around the area can perform um, emergency dialysis. Um, they said the only way they would do it is if they test him and he really actually needs it. If not, he's just going to sit there in the waiting room until he actually needs it. And uh, we all made a decision that that was probably the better move than him staying in our, 
in our house and uh, potentially flooding out and being even worse without even access to a hospital. So he got to the hospital and he needed emergency dialysis. They gave it to him uh, that afternoon. And then um, they actually kept him overnight for monitoring. And then um, I actually did get some sleep finally. Day six. Still raining when I woke up. Water is receding still. But by the afternoon, it's just a little bit of drizzles. We got a call. They're going to keep uh, my father-in-law at the hospital for another round of dialysis. Try to get him back on track, get him back on schedule. As that happens, the clouds open up. The sun comes through. Holy shit. It's the first time we're seeing sun in what felt like a month. But man, it just felt great. And you just see the streets start drying up. 6 p.m., two hours later, man, the streets are filled with people. People outside everywhere. People are coming out of their homes. Neighbors I've never even seen before. And everybody's interacting with one another, talking about the craziness that just occurred and how beautiful everything looks right now. Talking about all the stories that they heard, family members that got caught up in the mess, like worse than, you know, the things that you see on TV. Because they'll only show you the worst. You know, the neighborhoods that made it through, we're also the volunteers that are back out there helping everybody out. But we also came together. We had scares. Granted, I'm not trying to compare. But, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel for everybody for this. You know, right now there's some, still some tragic going on, some tragedy. But uh, we're going to get through this stronger. I asked my daughter at this point if she wanted to go on a bike ride with me. And she agrees and we ride through the neighborhood. We stop at a few uh, houses and people that we see along the way and we talk with them. And um, one of the guys I see, this guy Felix, uh, I start talking with him and I was like, man, this, you know, it's so great out here and, you know, seeing everybody out. And, you know, then I, I rode by, I saw another buddy, Alonzo, and then Nyla sees a couple of her friends and she goes... And I go, oh, let's keep riding. And she, she turns to me and goes, you stopped at Felix's house. I want to stop here. I go, touche, little girl, touche. Well, anyway, luckily, the girl, little girl's house is only two houses down. So she's playing there. I, I pull over the bike and I pull the, the barbecue outside. And I said, man, I want a barbecue. I want to grill a little bit. So I pull the grill out. And then who do I see rolling down my street is Felix on his bike. Felix comes over and he goes, man, you inspired me to get out and take a bike ride. I haven't done this in so long. And he's like, man, it feels good. It feels great seeing everybody. And it was just a quick, you know, quick conversation. I told him, man, it reminds me of what the world used to be like pre-technology. You know, people would be out in the streets. People would be interacting with one another. We would know everybody, you know. So it was nice seeing that. It was almost a blast from the past, you know. And I was, I was just trying to soak it all in before uh, we forget about that. You know, it kind of reminded me of um, that blackout in New York that we had in was that 2005. Was it 2005? I don't know, 2003. I don't even remember the year, but I just remember that blackout. And you were, if you were in New York when that grid went out and you actually went out and participated in it, uh, 
I, I loved it. You know, communities coming together, businesses. I remember walking. We were at a. We went to a Subway sandwich shop. We got free sandwiches. The guy was like, "No, take everything. Giving us extra sandwiches to take home." Uh, we got some free Italian ices at the next spot because they were their fridge was gonna melt them all. And then um, <laughs> this one, I mean, granted, I I, I think uh, the statue of uh, statute of limitations is gone on this one. Uh, we walked into a Genovese and just took two cases of beer on each hand and just walked right out the door. Um, I'm not saying that was a good thing. You know, we were like 19 years old. So, I mean, we couldn't buy it anyway without uh, getting in trouble. So we had to take it at, at some point. So we just walked out there and, and took that. Uh, man, we, it was just a great time, a community event. We, we set up flashlights and tables and played some beer pong out in the streets. All the neighbors came out. It was really just awesome, man. Everybody was just having a great time. And that's what it felt like when this all happened. You know, there was there was that feeling everyone missed. Uh, unity and community. Bringing that unity back into the community. You know, at this per particular time, it was like appreciating Mother Nature. You know, then too, I mean, you know, you had silence and darkness and you you didn't have lights. I had electricity during this whole storm. But man, as soon as the, the outdoors let us go outside, I didn't want to look at technology. I didn't want to answer another phone call from, from people asking if I was okay. Listen, I was going to be okay no matter what. It's the best we can always be is okay. But man, we got to just appreciate Mother Nature. And how easily you can be taken away from all your possessions. How easily she can make your electricity disappear. How easily she can take away our sun, block it with clouds. How easily we can get rain dumped on us. How easily she can end our lives. This past week all I've seen is the most ugliest weather, the most beautiful people. You know, we still got these looting assholes, motherfuckers, trying to break into people's houses. And I already know two of them got shot. One of them was down the street from my house. Dude walks into a house to try to burglarize it. He walks out without a head. You know, serves you right. You shouldn't be doing that right now. Not when people are desperate. Not in their time of need. You know, don't capitalize and try to ruin, you know, people that are already down. Don't try to kick them while they're down, man. We, the, More people are trying to step up help and save lives and uh, at this time too man I felt both fear and bravery you know my survival skills were kicking in at different times um, and some some people out there right now are still having that you know and, and they got to be exhausted because I know when this was over I was exhausted on day seven day seven I called my team into the office and began prepping to serve the city and our industry and um I was tired. I didn't do much. I was in my house, confined. There was not a lot of physical activity at all. But I was physically and mentally tired from fear and stress and 
you know but at the same time it was it wasn't bad um i wasn't i wasn't scared uh like to the point where i didn't know what to do it was just the unknown was like looming in the background the whole time and just real quick on a side note i'm actually uh i'm going to the astros met game uh tomorrow this saturday and um this is probably going to air after that because I'm. There's no way I'm editing this this evening, uh, but if I do, hey, uh, awesome. But I think it's kind of ironic that uh, Matt Harvey's coming back from the uh, disabled list, and Houston's coming back from playing their games in St. Petersburg, and um, their return Astros return to Houston, they're going to face Harvey. Just thought that was a little ironic. Um, I think it's great for headlines. Either way it goes, Harvey's return. If he shuts him down, Hurricane Harvey returns to Houston. If he gets beat up, Houston opens the floodgates on Harvey. I mean, and you can go in many different directions with this. And uh, it's not too soon. Uh, Honestly, the the people I'm talking with, uh, granted, they're they're the ones that hadn't lost everything that they they owned in their life. But... um, we a lot of us want to help and just you know let this be something that we better ourselves with let this be another you know stone that of accomplishment that we're over you know overcoming and uh achieving greatness because of not not failing because of so our communities and cities and regions uh, they need to take a deep breath of relief and look around like I said, we have looters in this city that are trying to take advantage of these people at their weakest. We have politicians that are trying to use this as a platform. We have media preying on the vulnerable and instilling fear. And real quick, I don't know if you saw that shit on CNN with that uh, that reporter trying to interview that lady that had her two kids with her when she just got into the shelter. And she's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yo, I felt it. Because honestly, yo... You see that she's distraught, woman. Get the microphone out of her face. You got her to answer your two little questions real quick. Move on. How that was four feet of water to go get them food on the first date. Yeah, that's a lot of shit. But y'all sit here, y'all trying to interview people during their worst times. Like, that's not the smartest thing to do. You're like poking a bear. Like, you see that she's... Man, I, I was just disappointed in our uh, in our journalism right there. But uh, our communities need to strengthen, obviously. You know, we, we're not going to forget about this. We're not going to forget how we help one another, how we need one another. We're here to serve one another. And we can do it. And we are doing it. I think Houston's handling this oh so well. I mean, volunteers are getting turned away. Donations are getting turned away because we have too much. We are... We, we've had... They stopped civilian boats from rescuing people. You know, we just had so many people really just wanting to help, and it was just so fantastic. You know, and now, you know, Port Arthur and Beaumont and Lake Charles and New Orleans, they're going to need some help. So, you know, it's its out that way now. And then who knows what's going to also happen, you know, with continuing uh, threats of Irma now. And uh, who knows who else is going to need help. But I haven't seen this much humanity in a while, you know, up close. You know, during Superstorm Sandy, I was in Austin, Texas when that happened. 
my friends and family were in New York dealing with it. And, you know, it, it's hard to put yourself there. You empathize or you try to at least uh, the best that you can, but you, you're not there. You're not part of it. So it's it's really hard. You know, I was watching from the sidelines. and I, w- I was in Danbury, Connecticut when 9-11 occurred. Uh, my friends and family were there. I missed that one. You know, I did come home from the aftermath. And, man, the city was... If you were there, you you just know what it, what that did to us, um, and how it how that all made us felt, uh, you know, with everything how that whole entire fiasco transpired. Um, I was actually in Madrid for their airport bombing in 2006, and I I was, you might think this is funny, but I was in um, I was in the in I was in Indianapolis on the day Dale Earnhardt died, and um not a joke man like i saw uh, a somber city they were just so hurt it looked like and it looked like each one of them got stabbed like 40 times and they were just walking around like shocked um but that's what these kind of events and I know that one's not like oh my god it is for people in Indianapolis or it was at least it looked like it um, I'm not a NASCAR guy or anything and shit I only knew Dale Earnhardt by name uh, just because you hear him um, but anyway back to like real tra- tragedies uh, not that that's a fake one but you know what I'm saying it's catastrophic nature um, during these kind of events man time stops and you no longer have that nature versus nurture anymore it's like nature and nurture become one you know you start instilling everything that you've ever learned and everything that's your natural instincts so I mean these these folks that are out there that are think they're informed just by watching the news Man, don't believe the hype. The news is there to keep you glued to the television. You know, go out and interact with the people. Educate yourself by studying the philosophies of life. Things make a little more sense without even watching the news. You don't even need to know what's going on in the world to know what's going on in the world. You get it? I mean, you could figure out what's going on in the world by the sentiment of what's going on in the streets. What's going on in your communities? Yeah. We have enough emotion in the world. We have enough news in the world. I run into somebody all the time, and you know, I just don't want this to be like, like water cooler talk. You know, how how tragic this is, and blah blah blah. Or did you see how this person handled it, or do you think it was wrong that they didn't get evacuated? Do you think, man, everybody's got an opinion? You know, we don't need people's fucking opinions at this point. What we need to have is solutions. We're not going to backtrack. We're not going to look at what ifs and did you do this right or that right or this, that, and the other thing. What we need to do is come up with those solutions. Nobody needs pity at this point. What we need is people to step up man we need yes. to give a real belief a real ideology you know stand up for what you believe in if it means making a difference if it means helping 
But if you guys sit there and bitch and complain and, you know, give your view of what CNN or Fox News told you that you should believe in, man, save it. Save that shit. We don't need that opinion right now. Think for yourself. Go out and interact. Be part of it. Create your news. You know, people bark too much all day. They complain all day. They hate. They love. And you can say how empathetic you are. But if you're just spewing out words based on some images that you've seen, man, go out and get actively involved. Shut the fuck up. If you're going to complain and bitch without doing something. No, even if you do something, don't complain and bitch. Just make the world a better place. Look at me complaining and bitching about the people that complain and bitch. Don't believe the hype, it's a sequel. As an equal, can I get this through to you? My 98 booming with a trunk of funk. All the jealous punks can't stop the dunk. Coming from the school of hard knocks. Some perpetrate, they drink Clorox, attack the black because I know they lack exact. The cold facts, and still they try to Xerox. The leader of the new school, uncool. Never played the fool, just made the rules. Remember, there's a need to get alarm. Again, I said I was a time bomb. But seriously, what are you doing to make a difference? If it's nothing, then you know, move on to something that you can make a difference on. If like this isn't it, like you know, some people don't want to help hurricane victims. Well, you, their choice. They know that's a possibility living on the Gulf Coast. Oh, yeah, you know, we do. But make a difference somewhere else. I hope this isn't coming off wrong, though. I, I feel like I sound like a dick right now. And uh, that by no means that's that's what I'm trying to do. But maybe I am. Who knows? But All right, check this out. I love this world just as much as I hate it. I love people just as much as I hate them. I love and hate. I'm the yin and the yang. The six and the nine. The L7. The positive and negative. I am the neutron, I am a futon, I am the atom between binary stars, I am the sky and the dirt, the water, the death and the birth, a daughter, a son, a man, a woman, a father, a curse, a mother, a church, an aunt, a mosque, an uncle, a boss, a temple with a temper that goes to hot in the month of December. I am a member, I am a loner, and I would not cast the first stone. Cause I'm a picker, I'm a grinner. I am the middle grounds. There's actually a great poem by uh Sean Darrow from the bottom five called uh, The Middle Ground. Middle Ground. Uh, this was written uh, March 10th, 2015. Middle Ground. Alone. I watch you there. Accepting isolation. Numb. I met you there. Comfortable. Sedation. Angry, I left you there. Infinite frustration. Grief, I linger there. Seeking emancipation. 
asleep. I see you there. Subtle communication. Awake. I feel you there. Seeking visualization. Ideas. I know you're there. Assisting cultivation. Enlightened. You brought me there. Immeasurable elation. You lived.